Hello! Welcome to the Mind Buffs Podcast. I am your host, Matt Demoisak, and today we are here with Kayla Unrau, and we are going to be talking about something that one of my clients actually brought up because they were very confuzzled and they didn't really understand what the difference was between rumination and processing. And I too, in the moment, was, ooh, that's a great question. I don't know if I would be able to articulate well enough the difference between that. So I did what I love to do when I don't know something. I asked Kayla to do some research and she, with a big smile on her face, went to town and found some really new recent research that was able to talk about specific differences between rumination and processing in both adaptive and maladaptive ways. And yeah, just super excited for Kayla to kind of share some of the things that we discovered here. So I guess I'll start a little bit with what is rumination. I think everybody, as soon as they hear that word, they kind of know how it feels in their body or they know their emotions that are elicited when that that thought of rumination comes up. But rumination is just thinking of the same thought over and over without ever really coming to a conclusion. So we've thought about maybe option A, B, C, and all the way to X, Y, Z, right? Um, But we're still struggling to make that actual decision. Um, Some people like to call this mental chatter. So that's the process of just thinking over and over about something. And typically people are doing this in a really narrow way, Mm -hmm. right? So when we think about creating space between your thoughts, cognitive distancing, pulling ourselves away from the problem, problem-saturated story, lots of psychological terms for you. Um, We don't do that in rumination. We're in it. We're in the thick of it. We're in the woods and we're not coming out anytime soon, (laughs) right? Um, We also are really focused on what's wrong. And there's a lot of pessimism. And I'm sure when you've had conversations with people that are in rumination, we see that pessimism and we're trying to give them that perspective. But sometimes it's really hard to pull people out of that thought process. Um, A lot of people, when they're in rumination, we know that this increases experiences of anxiety and depression and those feelings of being really stuck and not being able to make any decisions or differences in your thought process. And then often when we start ruminating, we're like, if I just ruminate about this, I'll solve my problem and then all my emotions will feel better. (laughs) But that ain't true. What we know is that after we've started ruminating, we typically feel worse off because we've just gone down this shit spiral of thoughts for the last 10, 15, 20 minutes, right? Um, So we have a lot of blame, guilt, shame. All of those are emotions that typically come up for people that are stuck in rumination. I like the little comments you made about um, being prepared. I can think of several times, even with like my clients, when I attempt to challenge them or, you know, friends, family, um, my wife, where when you can kind of see that they're like stuck on the hamster wheel of like that negative like thought loop, oftentimes when you try to point that out or challenge your loved one in some way, an early defense will be like, well, I just want to be prepared. I, just in case, like I, w- I want to have every eventuality planned out, like just in case. And a quote that I've been using quite a lot this week that I think like really connects to the conversation we're going to be having about rumination today is that the opposite of faith is not doubt. It is certainty. Our unhealthy pursuit in first world countries of like needing to know fucking everything creates mental health. But the interesting thing about rumination is that it's, it's a red herring. We might think that it's this really useful tool to acquire 
certainty to prepare for every eventuality. But that's not the case. All it does is get us sucked into all of these what-if scenarios that we've created that almost never bloody happen. So you might notice that in other people and in yourself that you think that rumination is helpful, but it's doing the complete opposite. And I think a lot of our brains are going to, if I'm actively doing something, how can that not be helpful? Mm. If I'm actively thinking about solving the problem consistency, then I must be making headway, right? But really what you're doing is you're kind of driving back to the starting point that you may have been at 10 minutes ago or maybe maybe even further back, right? We're totally. digging that hole for ourselves. Yeah. So emotional processing, not the same. Not the same. Much different. Yes. Um, and this is just being able to examine your thought from different perspectives and then coming up with solution or a future plan. So when we see people that are able to emotionally process something, and I think this may have been why it's so difficult to answer it because you know it when you see it, but you mm-hmm. know it when you see it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I know when someone's ruminating and I know when someone's emotionally processing, but to tell them you hit the checkbox of you've now emotionally processed this thought, that's really difficult, right? So it's when we start to focus a little bit more on not a problem-saturated story or narrative, we're looking a little bit more at acceptance. And I think that's the caveat there is people are looking for solution as opposed to acceptance, Hmm. right? And then also there's a release of emotion, whether that's negative, neutral, whatever that emotion is coming up for you in that story, you release some of that emotion connected to it. And that's where the acceptance comes from. So that's the difference between the emotional processing and the rumination. So like, it sounds like the biggest difference is like the intention behind like why we're doing it. So like rumination as a way to try to acquire certainty and like emotional processing as a way to kind of like find an exit to like move forward, learn what we need to and like keep going. But like rumination isn't really about learning or being curious. It's about like being protective and judgmental. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Now I know that you were looking at some research that try to look at the difference between these two, especially in like high performance fields. So like, yeah, what did you come across? So it's interesting and it's newer, new-ish information. So let's go with that. But when we look at the difference between, so when we think about rumination, we think about this idea of being very stuck in a thought that's quite emotional in nature. Okay, so a lot of the emotions are coming up and that's kind of what's drawing us to have to find this solution. Um, So we know that that in itself is not helpful for high performance. When we talk about this all the time in sports, we talk about being in the moment. One of the articles that I actually read was literally named, I think, therefore I choke. (laughs) Okay. Um, And so we know that generally that's not a helpful strategy. But what the research was looking at is the ability for people to process is wildly helpful for individuals that have control over their environment. So like musicians have more finite control over their environment than per se somebody in team sports. Right. Okay. Or even individuals in individual athletics, sprinting, whatever it is, they actually do better when they have higher levels of processing because they don't have to mentally switch as much during the task. Mm. So if I'm thinking about playing a football game, which if you see me, I would never do. (laughs) But if I'm playing football, I'm constantly having to adjust my thought process between running like 
trying to get around someone, being on defense, being on off, like whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that necessity to mentally switch in sports means that when we spend too much time processing or reflecting or ruminating, we don't allow for the flow state that's necessary in that sport. I think of even just like watching the Olympics just as as a fan, whether it's like summer or like winter games, but you can see the sports where like having those thoughts, like focusing on that little routine or that technique that you want to focus on, like so you execute properly, you can tell in the setup before the athlete does the thing that like that's the mental state that they're in. Like you said, because it's the only thing that they have to do, that's helpful. But in any type of like athletics where you're having to constantly switch what type of body you're using, what kind of technique you're using, as soon as there is any thought, the flow is gone. Oh, Makes it challenging. Right? Yeah, it does. And I think we even look at this in context of individual sports. I think that can also be divided into golf. Yeah. You're switching constantly between technique and type of sh like stroke and oh clubs and environment and all of these different things are causing the need for that mental switching. Yeah, And so I think that brings up the question as well that it's very, let me retract that. It's not very easy to practice as a musician because I'm not one. I don't know that, right? It, you can practice in the environment in which you're likely to be performing. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about the necessity of types of practice and how we're executing and getting these really finite skills in situations where we do have to cognitively switch all of the time, that becomes difficult. Because if I'm thinking about, I want to get really good at this throwing motion and reflecting on that is actually incredibly helpful. Mm -hmm. But if I'm in a game doing the throwing motion, reflecting on that is actually incredibly unhelpful. So it's a difficult situation to be in as an athlete and as a coach, I think, of how do we placate to both of those necessities. Right. So like at the beginning of this conversation, we were kind of like looking at the difference between like rumination and processing and like clearly highlighting that like processing is adaptive and rumination is maladaptive. Um, but even when we look at processing in like the performance uh, world, regardless if that's something creative, musical, um, athletic, that there's also a time where processing is healthy and when it completely gets in the way. So yeah, I, I think one of the highlights like for this conversation is, yeah, it, it depends. But because this is such a complicated kind of concept, it's important to understand like the utility of each one of these things in the right place and the right time. So far, when you've been kind of talking about this emotional processing, when to use it, when to not. It also kind of reminds me more simplistically of just like repetition, like obsessing over one new skill, one new chord variation, like whatever it is that you're doing. Because I played piano most of my life uh, until like my mid-20s. And golf is also like my number one sport. They're actually really similar. It's like when you're practicing, you're doing the same damn thing over and over and over and you're obsessively thinking about every little thing was that staccato just right was that the right swing thought that i want to have to be able to like have my body rotate through that swing what i see a lot especially like in the weekend golfers is that while they're obsessively looking at youtube videos about how they can improve their swing and then they go to the driving range for two hours before their golf round they don't know how to switch 
from that obsessive kind of processing Mm -hmm. to now like letting that go and just being. And you can see it immediately, any athlete, any sport, when they're stuck in that learning mindset that, that it becomes rumination. So yeah, it's really important to learn how to like set different intentions based on the environment that you're in. Yeah, this is really interesting. That's what I was thinking about when you say that switching, right? When you go into the golf course and you have your best shot and it goes straight into the water, right? Then if you're like any golfer I know and myself, that elicits some emotions in you, maybe a little frustration. I never get frustrated. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Um, now we have that emotional content to deal with. And when that emotional content there is there to deal with, does that then switch us into our rumination mode? Does that then put us into, I'm no longer processing and now I'm ruminating because there's emotions there and I need to let go of those in order for me to be able to go back into the sport, be in my flow state. When you have the wrong level of emotional activation, it demands that you at least minimally have to spend time in processing, emotional processing to move forward. Otherwise, that will so quickly become rumination. So I know a lot of athletes and performers, like when they notice high levels of stress, frustration, worry, doubt, things like that, they'll try to like ignore it. But if you have the time, depending on the sport, right? In golf, you have so much bloody time in between like shots. It is significantly better to process that emotion so that subconsciously that emotion does not become obsessive rumination and prevent you from being present in that next action. Oh, yeah. This is like, we're totally nerding out right now because like this is like the nitty-gritty detail shit, but this significantly, especially when you're at a higher level, like these are the tiny details that make the difference between like shooting like an, an 80 and even a 79 if you're someone who's really hoping to like break that that score. It's that one shot where you were not as present as you needed to be that you lose that stroke. But that this is that those little micro-macro things that make a difference. Mm-hmm. This is so cool. And when I think about all of these things and we talk to athletes or performers in any capacity about them, you have to think about them in the context of who you are, Mm -hmm. how you process. Can you go through that processing period quickly? I know for myself in sports, I'm actually really damn good at processing that emotion quickly. It just kind of slips through me. And I don't know if that's a skill that I've learned through time or if I'm ignoring it, but it works well. So I'm happy about it. But I know when I leave the field, you best bet that rumination has been something that I've been trying to work on over a period of time of constantly, what about this? What about what happened here, right? And one of the things in reading this research that I've been reflective of is to what capacity is that helpful? Actually, I I would love, you might not know why, but I'm just, I'm so bloody curious right now. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it is different for you that like that ability to process emotionally rather quickly is present in more like performance spaces, athletics, but more in your personal life, it seems like you're not able to access that skill. I think I'm really good at separating emotion and sport in a sense of, I know it's there and I know it drives me and I know it exists, but I kind of closed the floodgate on it a little bit. And so that emotional intensity, what we talk about with a lot of our athletes, like I'm very well in control of it and I don't sit in it. And once I have the opportunity to sit in it outside of sport, which I do in life, then I think I attach a little bit more to the rumination process. One of the really cool things about 
like being a sports psychologist is we often see a lot of people that formally played sport or music at a very high level, you know, before they got a, a real big boy or, or big girl job. And one of the cool parts about like this work that we do is that we can help our clients access their younger athletic self, looking at like all of the adaptive skills that they had, the, the confidence, the ability to be present and focused on what matters most in the moment and kind of help their brain just like create more connections to present day that like these aren't skills that need to be like relearned. And, and so like when I just kind of hear your story, you know, I'm immediately just thinking like, oh man, I bet there's a way that you can like tap into those skills because you clearly have them. And obviously you're not ruminating all the time in your personal life because the brain is, is the same, right? So if, if we have a skill in one context, it's so much easier to like bring it into a, a different context. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I think when you say that I've been reflecting on myself in sport is I almost have to force thinking about how I throw a certain way or really bring attention to, to that skill or else that's not something that comes up for me in sport. So maybe that wall, that floodgate, that whatever it is that I put up is also stopping part of the rumination from being helpful and me being able to progress skills quicker. Yeah, that's really fascinating. I know like for me, it's like because of so many years playing sport and like, you know, playing um, like shows as uh, I say musician, but that sounds like I play more than one instrument. Like as a piano player, um, like having to be in those situations, I was in them almost more than the rest of my life combined. Like that's all I did growing up. So I feel like those skills like really were able to like help me up until I started working in a prison, then nothing was transferable to my mind. And it's like, I had no coping skills like whatsoever, but that's part of why like sport is so great and so important. And even though there's so much that's just not great about it right now, like the purpose behind it is that it teaches you all of these things that are transferable to every area of, of life. Um, and I think we need to do a better job of calling ourselves out when we're clearly ruminating and just beating the living shit out of ourselves internally. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the questions that I ask myself, whether it be in sport or in everyday life when it comes to rumination, is am I stuck in the emotion of it? Is that is what is driving this thought process? And if it is, then I know that there needs to be some work done around being stuck in the emotion of it. Mm, So if I leave a game and I'm thinking and thinking and thinking, or if I'm leaving working with a client and I'm thinking and thinking and thinking, I have to be curious about, is it the emotion that's driving this rumination? Mm -hmm. And to what capacity is that helpful? Yeah, like is the message that like some part of my body or brain is communicating to me something important that I need to learn and improve on? Or is it coming from a, a negative core belief place where it's like you did something wrong or you're bad or you're a failure and like i want you to think about what you did like a a parent who's not having a great day Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of the times when i'm working with clients specifically in our clinic within the performance mindset a lot of us have learned that ruminating is the way to success if i think about what i did wrong if I reflect on it over and over and over, or if I'm self-critical 
in some capacity mm-hmm. and I ride that really crappy, shitty emotion, mm-hmm. then I'm going to convince myself into a place where I don't do that anymore. I'm not sure if you came across any of this in, in your reading or your research, but I, I'm really starting to kind of see a connection here. A lot of high-performance people think that striving for perfection is really beneficial. We know that it's not. And I feel bad because there's been a lot of researchers who spent their entire like life trying to like validate or support a adaptive form of like perfectionism, but it's a fear-based mechanism. It's just, it's not going to be the greatest tool. But I think of rumination as, again, being like a tool used by the pursuit of perfection. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you can tell when people are like that, where it's like anytime like something is slightly out of place or that they make a mistake, they get straight into rumination mode. They're stuck in it. And completely debilitated in action often. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like the mind is going a million miles an hour, but, but the body can't do. Mm-hmm. When I talk to clients about it, a lot of the times it's like, I've lost my skill in this sport, but I'm overthinking it. Or I can't get started on my work, but I'm thinking so much about it. Just to kind of talk about a different like subset of of people that like I've come across a lot as a clinician and just even like played with in different sports are the people and especially like the families. Like this is very much like a like a family like character trait, like a family um, like ideology is like the concept of like don't be negative, always be positive. And I find that a lot of these families and therefore a lot of our clients, these like high performance people, they think that emotionally processing negative emotions is a bad thing. Or that they're going to get stuck in it. Yes. If you recognize that you're sad, then you're going to be sad forever. Or if you recognize that you're angry what do you do with that emotion? Yeah. And I think a lack of literacy, emotional literacy in that area is a huge detriment to an individual because they're not given the opportunity to learn how to emotionally process something appropriately. Yeah. Like it it completely has gotten in the way for so many of my clients that have grown up in those families where it wasn't okay to even talk about some of the mistakes they made in their game. It was like, no, no, you played great. Like, you know, just focus on like the positive things that you did. Cause like there was this, this strange fear that by talking about the negative thing, you yourself become negative or you're stuck in it. So again, like there is such an important use for emotional processing because there is something to learn. That's why that emotion is there. Emotions are present to get our attention. It's a call to action. We're never really called to act or to make any change in our life because we had a really cool thought. It's when there was a large emotional experience that like demanded that we do something about it, that we change something in ourselves or change something in our environment so that the emotion goes away. But it doesn't go away unless we create change. So do not think that only ever talking about thinking or feeling positive things is the best way to go about performing well, having success. It's just not true. Negating half of the experience. 100%. And you're also teaching yourself and others that you don't need to process that side in order to be able to perform. 
when those things are going to automatically be elicited in any performance-based scenario. Yeah. And if you're immune to it, tell us your secrets. (laughs) Please. (laughs) Yeah, emotions are important for encoding memories. That's why lots of people, this is like a whole other podcast, lots of people have really foggy childhood memories. Is either because like you had to dissociate a lot in your childhood or you were told that there were only certain kinds of emotions that were allowed to be experienced or talked about. So you actually have less memories than someone who grew up in a home where like all feelings were okay and welcome, good and bad. Um, those memories tend to be quite salient. So emotional processing is vital for skill acquisition because we do need to be somewhat obsessive in a healthy way about new skills, learning new things so that they can become a part of something that's called procedural memory. That's where the things just happen without us thinking about them. But we can only achieve that when we have repeated the action or repeated the, you know, even as a student, repeated the the new definition that we have to learn for the multiple choice exam so much that we have mastered it and is now just a part of our permanent, like long-term hippocampus self. So yeah, we have to spend time thinking about a lot new things, but only when we're in that learner mindset. I think one of the biggest indicators for The first step to emotional processing is the ability and the willingness for an individual to share time with that emotion and space. Mm -hmm. That takes a lot of confidence, but that's how in session we can start to understand that we are beginning the process of emotional processing. And then we're also able to look at that emotion from many different perspectives, not just the one narrative that we've been riding. Completely. So just to kind of summarize um, again, because again, this was a bit more of a a complicated, uh, nuanced like difference, but man, does it like significantly make a difference for how we interact with our internal world and with the the work or the sport activity that we're doing. Um, Just wanted to kind of highlight again, what exactly rumination is. So rumination is recycling the same thought over and over without coming to a conclusion. There's a ton of mental chatter where it's like the feeling of it zooming in closer and closer and closer onto the problem in a very like unhelpful, narrow way. Rumination focuses mostly on what is wrong or what could go wrong. It's very pessimistic and there's a lot of binary or dichotomous thinking, which we call like cognitive distortions, like thoughts that do not leave room for the many options that are actually possible in that moment, we just become really fixed. Rumination, it leads to amplifying of the negative experience. It does not decrease it or provide any supportive solution to help you move forward. And we know, and this research has been around for much longer, that rumination can lead to general anxiety disorder, like very quickly, uh, depression, just that feeling of kind of being stuck or trapped Because again, you're a hamster wheel. It's not putting you in a mental state where you're thinking about how it can move forward. Rumination will often leave you feeling worse because once you get stuck in any type of negative thought or negative feeling spiral for too long, it immediately turns into shame. And that's the sticky shit. Guilt is okay. That's a call to action. Shame is self-punishment. I am or I did a bad thing. Whereas like guilt 
is like, oh, I, I made a mistake. Like I, I need to take accountability for something I did or said, or like I can do better next time. So yeah, rumination does not lead to greener pastures. We think about the mindset that that puts you in. How is the beautiful picture that you just described to us a place where we start change? It's not. Not at all. And again, emotional processing, which is something that we all need to be able to learn to use as a tool, both during performance in short bursts, just to kind of acknowledge that there is some part of us that that feels like we need to acknowledge or be aware of something, right? We can learn in a few seconds to kind of like accept the feeling. Depending on your sport, you can actually deal with it fully in that moment. Or you can be like, hey, I'll get to you after the game, after the performance, after work. That's a very critical compartmentalization. I, I hate that word, but like that's a a useful way of using that word, right? It's like you're containing it temporarily because you've promised yourself that you'll get to it later. I call it shelving it. Shelving it. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I really hate compartmentalization. We'll call it shelving, okay? You shelf the emotion for a more appropriate time. And you do not become a negative Nancy by sitting with your negative feelings. You become stronger. And you probably will have to go to therapy to fully believe that because most people grow up since the day they were born in a family system where that is what they've been told or taught either directly or indirectly. But yeah, processing is very adaptive. Rumination is hot garbage. Yeah. So thanks again for tuning in, guys. Um, as long as my clients continue to ask me such fantastic questions, we will have an infinite amount of conversations for Kayla and I to dig deep into research and to kind of share with you guys. Um, and we have been getting comments and uh, emails about like future conversations that people want us to have. Um, so please do the cringy thing that I loathe saying at the end of each episode, like subscribe and share these conversations to other people not because we want to be cool and famous but because we really believe that these conversations can make an impact on people's lives so if you agree pass it along and tell someone who might be able to benefit from one of these conversations so thank you so much for tuning in again and we will see you next time yeah.